Hello and welcome to this week's game preview episode of On Texas Football. My name is Tommy Yarsh and I'm joined as always by Inside Texas writer and all-around football expert Ian Boyd. Ian, how's it going, man? Going well. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Good to have you as always. And I'm going to start with the question that I think all Texas fans have been asking, and it's Still somewhat lacking an answer, but maybe you've got one. The Longhorns slipped out of Manhattan last week with a 34-27 win, but it wasn't without another second-half lead that was cut from three touchdowns to a one-possession game. What's the difference in how the Longhorns play in the second half, and how do they go about maybe fixing it or righting their wrong so things don't get as close? I think um, part of the trick of it is that some of it is by design. They're not trying to be very aggressive in the second half. When you know when you have a 31 to 10 lead, you're trying to just win the game. And you want to kill clock and keep the ball away from your opponent. And uh, as much as you want to, you know, try to expand it. Like you don't even really need to expand that lead. If you do, great. But you know, killing clock is just as effective at that point as scoring points. Um so Part of it is that they are more risk averse and they can become a little more predictable. And the game comes down to controlling possessions and grinding out, you know, first first downs against a defense that's selling out because they desperately need to get the ball back. And so they've run into a few issues. They're technically built pretty well to control the ball because they have all these tight ends and all these running backs. They have a good run blocking offensive line that's getting better every week. So it makes sense to just kind of hold on to the ball and pound it and uh, generate first downs, kill the clock. And they did that with some degree of success against Kansas State as well. I, not as much as, as people would have liked because the, the game still got a little too interesting at the end. But they did have a couple of drives that were successful at, uh, at flipping field position or getting points on the board and killing clock. And uh, they would be more efficient if they just had – a little more experience, basically. Um, if Quinn Ewers has a little more know-how in how to audible the run game or, like, notice when there's something wrong and try to check to the sideline to change a play, like on that uh, third and two where they threw the toss out to Bijan Robinson and he's, like, being tackled immediately by the safety, right? We all remember that play. That's the kind of play that, like, say, a Sam Ellinger or more experienced quarterback would have said, hey, no, we can't run this play. We're going to do something else. So this is going to get killed. Um, that'll come with time with Quinn Ewers. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, it, it might get a little better every week, but I don't know that it's going to be something that you're just going to see like that. Like another off season is going to go a long ways towards uh, solving for that problem. So Texas, and they have, you know, a freshman left tackle, a freshman right guard, um, year two in the system, still a lot of new guys in the system. They don't have the benefit of having run the system and taught it to players over years and years of time. So, I think basically the second half, they build these big leads, which is great. Then they want to be able to control the game and just kind of grind out the win from there. And it's hard to do that uh, with the sort of efficiency that would make fans, you know, have to stop reaching for the heartburn medicine if they were just more experienced and a little more precise. Um, and that's just, that's just something that comes with time. That it can't, you can't become a pre precise well-oiled machine overnight. Um, so they're working on it. They'll get a little better. I, I think the good news is that they just 
they pulled it off well enough in Kansas State to win. And that was, I think, the hardest game left on the schedule. So, I mean, they, they could definitely blow one of these remaining three games, but they, uh, they got the job done well enough. Well enough, and I'll make sure to tell my doctor to cancel the heartburn medicine uh, prescription at my pharmacy so I don't pick any more up. Uh, a Texas defense that has been shaky at times this season now goes head-to-head with the number one offense in the Big 12 and TCU. Uh, conference championship implications on the line on Saturday. You mentioned that last week was one of Texas, if not the toughest game that Texas would play this season. How does Pete Kwiatkowski's unit step up to the occasion when they might need them most this Saturday? TCU is – they're a very interesting team. Um, obviously the best record in the Big 12. It's going to be kind of hard for TCU to miss the Big 12 championship game. So if Texas wins out and gets back to the Big 12 championship game, this could be a rematch. But for all that, and uh, they're getting some playoff talk, which I think is kind of silly. Um, I just, I'm not really a believer in this TCU team. I'm not saying they're bad or, you know, quite a paper tiger, but man, have they played a lot of backup quarterbacks and, uh, I mean, they just watching them against Oklahoma state, they were down so bad and they kind of pulled that game out in the last minute when Oklahoma state wore down. So they have a lot of qualities, but I, I, I think their resume looks a little bit more like a world beater than they really are. Um, but yeah, it'll Texas's defense. It's going to be another one of those games like TCU. What they do best is they run the ball from the spread. They use tempo and they keep coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. And they've been a very good second half team by just wearing teams down. And then eventually, you know, you, you can't tackle Max Duggan. You lose them on a scramble. Uh, you can't keep it up against their uh, their run game, and you start to wear down you lose a guy on play action and one of their speedy receivers is running untouched on the field. So it's uh, it's the, it's the exact kind of team that Pete Kwiatkowski has basically shut down up until the last minute over and over and over again in the last two years. And uh, we'll see if either, you know, the defense can get over the hump and actually hold them down the whole game or just if the offense can do to get back to the point where we were just belaboring, if the offense can do a little more to protect them from having to defend, you know, 10 plus possessions where you start to get in trouble against a team like this. Yes, certainly to see the definition of a second half team and we'll see how Texas fares against a squad that has done so well in the last two quarters. Uh, Before we get back to the action, there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite team than by playing daily fantasy with our friends over at prize picks. Prize picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports that just pits you against the numbers. So whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the game for you. It's the best way to have action on the game in states like Alabama, Florida, Texas, Kentucky, Georgia, and over 70% of the United States and Canada, excluding Ontario. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. This week, I'll be taking Kendra Miller with less than 95 and a half rushing yards and Bijan Robinson with more than 125 and a half rushing yards. Download the PrizePix app or visit prizepix.com and sign up using the code LONGHORNS to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 off on your first deposit. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 from PrizePix. If you deposit $50, PrizePix gives you $50, so on and so forth. Don't forget that's the PrizePix app 
or prospects.com and the code Longhorns to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your team to the next level this season. Uh, back to the business here, Ian. Max Duggan's story has been one of the better ones in college football. He comes into the year as the backup to Chandler Morris, and Morris goes down with an injury in week one. Duggan just explodes onto the scene. He's putting career-high numbers across the board. In comparison to his past couple of years at TCU and when you've seen him play in the past, where has he found the stride in his game to take it to the next level, and how is he playing so well this year? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Um, the offensive system is better under Sonny Dykes, but it's actually very similar as well. So the, the design is cleaned up. They're doing a lot of things that help him with uh, some of their play action is better. The receivers are playing better than they have in the past. Um, but they're still doing the things that he does well. Like they still use him in the run game on options and some quarterback runs. You know, the quarterback draw play that he's just tortured and tormented Texas with for like three years in a row. They still have that. They still got to look out for that. When they go empty, it doesn't mean they're going to throw it. It might just be dug in up the middle on a on an empty box. Um, so I think it just a lot of experience. And then Dykes has made some tweaks and just brought some quality control to their offense that they've been that they were missing for years and years under Gary Patterson and his staff. Um, so just, I mean, they inherited like some really big physical good linemen that have been drilled and spread run game for years and years under Patterson. We just hadn't put it all together. They inherited Quentin Johnson. who's probably an NFL receiver next year. They inherited all these fast slot receivers that they were inconsistent in getting the ball to. They inherited um, Kendra Miller and Amari DiMercato, these running backs that are really talented such that they had Zach Evans on the bench for prolonged periods of the time last year, and it didn't even hurt their running game. So I, I think, I mean, it's just they're doing what they've done, which has looked good against Texas the last three years, honestly. They're doing what they've been doing for the last few years, and they're just doing it with more precision and experience because they have better offensive coaches, and all their players are returning starters with years and years of experience. So uh, it's not really shocking. I mean, I thought – heading into the year that TCU was going to be the kind of team that would score 35, 36 points a game and give up 36 or 37, kind of like those Cliff Kingsbury, Texas tech teams. Uh, but their defense has been a little bit better than I expected. And uh, it's been, they just, you know, they keep winning instead of losing narrow shutouts. They, instead of losing narrow shootouts, they end up winning them. Yes, the addition of Sonny Dykes has been one that has really helped the TCU offense. And he and Duggan just have so many weapons to play with. Like you mentioned, they've got a 1,000-yard rusher in Kendra Miller, a projected top-10 pick in Quinton Johnston. If he plays, uh, injury might be limiting him, but we'll see what his status is closer to game day. Uh, those two really highlight the group. But when it comes to who the Texas defense needs to watch for the most, who do you think will get the most touches for this TCU offense? Who would it be, and how do they go about limiting them? Well, Kendra Miller is their main guy, a uh, thousand yard rusher, like you just said. Their bread and butter is the run game, 
if you load the box, they will throw it outside. They have um, Tay Barber and Darius Davis are kind of their two slot receivers. Sometimes they think they line up outside, but that's kind of their um, one of their major like outlet. You know, their release valve for when you try to stop the run game is just to get the ball out in space to those guys. I think for Texas, Texas has such a successful physical defensive line this year. And their linebacker play has been so much better, and their overall run defense has been so good. I'm not sure if they're going to grant TCU the space and matchups that they're that they've been getting in some of these other games. Um, so I think instead it'll come down to making sure Max Duggan doesn't beat you that you don't you don't let him find the open receiver when they're throwing crossing routes. You don't let him scramble to pick up key third down so that they have a chance to finally wear on you and lean on you with their line. Um, you don't let him be unaccounted for in the run game. They, I don't think he's their uh, best player, but he kind of makes it all come together and work. He, he marries a lot of their run and pass stuff together with just his playmaking and um, how steady he is at protecting the ball. So I think – you limit that and the whole thing kind of can be destroyed piecemeal, I would say. You mentioned the run game. I want to flip it now to the Texas side. TCU, similarly to Kansas State, is a team that Bijan Robinson specifically has run very well against. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw a career high 216 yards and two touchdowns on the ground last year against the Horned Frogs. And he's coming off his second best outing as a Longhorn, 209 yards against Kansas State, rushing. How do they get him going again on the ground and have another big night when they could really need him to have one? Um, they, it's gonna. I think it will look a little bit like the Iowa State game. Uh, TCU is yet another three-down flyover defense, like uh, like Oklahoma played against them, like Kansas State played against them, and like Iowa State played against them. Kansas State and Oklahoma played versions of this defense. They would have smaller, faster ends. And uh, it kind of got them balled a little bit on the perimeter going up against Texas's tackles. TCU is more like Iowa State. All of their defensive linemen are big, thick guys. And they're really just kind of looking to tie down blockers and hold space so that their linebackers and safeties can make all the plays. Um, so for Texas, a lot of it just comes down to uh, if you make those linebackers go in the wrong direction, you can – really make hay. If you can make linebackers be like uh, frontline guys at the point of attack and uh, like get Andre Carrick out there, get tight ends out there and turn those linebackers into, you know, de facto linemen, they can get into trouble. I think TCU could be very, very vulnerable to Texas. They have been pretty aggressive with their run defense this season. They played Oklahoma's run game very aggressively. And uh, I think we could see, We've seen this a lot with Bijan, where teams just try to get everybody in tight and attack Texas's run game and force them to throw. I think we could very well see that from TCU, which means you know there could be opportunities to throw and it'd be good to land them, especially early in the game. But also, when they make mistakes, there's an opportunity to land really big backbreaking plays. You know, the forty to sixty yard runs that Bijan gets, you know, pretty often. <laughs> Uh, I think that this is exactly the kind of game that where Bijan will make big plays. Um, so that really the challenge is um, in those plays where he doesn't break out of the scrum and then run untouched for the next 40 yards. 
you need to make sure that you can pick up steady gains and that you don't have early points where you catch them with a scheme and then you score all these points and then you have a bunch of three and outs where they're stuffing your run game by loading the box. And uh, the way to do that is they just need to keep diversifying their run game like they did. You know, they were very, very good about attacking Iowa State's defense with a lot of different looks, um, extra tight ends and, and things like I mentioned, unbalanced formations. They're going to want to do more of that against TCU. If they have anything left in the tank, in the playbook they haven't shown yet, then this would be a good week to, to dust that out. And, um, you know, throwing the ball is nice too if they can pull that off. But I, I don't know if – so far they've shown that they'd rather – lean on Bijan and Roshan, and I think that that's generally been the right answer. And talking a little bit more about that passing game, uh, to everyone's relief, Quinn Ewers looked a little bit more like himself against Kansas State, threw for 197 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. He and Xavier Worthy linked up twice in the end zone, and they seem to be getting more on the same page as the years gone along. I know Ian, they had that one throw that she really liked where Quinn Ewers let the ball go before Xavier's route broke at the top and he caught it in the end zone for one of his touchdowns. So what do you, where do you can you sort of expand upon the points you made in your last question? Where do you see those opportunities for the Longhorns coming in the passing game where they can make those big plays? Yeah, well, uh, it's going to it's going to look a lot like it has in some in some previous weeks. Um, TCU has good corners that they really like and they tend to play them on islands pretty often, especially well, I think both of them, but certainly Travis Hodges Tomlinson, which people probably recognize his name. He's been there for a long time, and he's you know related to the other famous Tomlinson that played at TCU. Um, I I would imagine they would keep him shadowed on Xavier Worthy because he's so quick. Hodges Tomlinson is. There's should be opportunities to find Xavier Worthy. There are really every week. Like we I mean, we watch it every week where it's like, oh, he's open down the field. Oh, but they missed it. You know. Um, they need to keep they need to keep dialing that in and, and getting it a little better. I, I thought it was better last week where they had more throws. They've really struggled for viewers to find him on post routes, which is an awful shame because there's nothing more devastating than a really efficient post combination between a quarterback and receiver. But um, Worthy has been good on sort of outbreaking corner routes and anything that's a little more like a – a tighter angle breaking in like a closer to a 90 degree angle when it looks more like that, for whatever reason, they seem to, they seem to hook up better and, and worthy tracks the ball better and viewers finds this line more accurately. So should be opportunities there. Um, the obvious big one is this is a major Jatavian Sanders game potentially, or Jordan Whittington, anybody who's lined up inside, which is definitely going to be Sanders because TCU safeties are, they're good, they're experienced, but they're very um, aggressive. They want to play downhill and in the box, especially against a, a team like Texas. And so you can slip a tight end down the field and get good matchups and angles to throw him the ball. And Jatavian Sanders is probably the best at that in the league. He might be one of the best in the country. If he's not this year, he probably will be next year, right? So this could definitely be a game where uh, they could make a lot of hay throwing to Jatavian Sanders in the seams. Yeah, and JT Sanders has had a couple of those games this year where he's come up really big. Uh, let's talk about the Horn Frogs defense here a little bit. They'll be without their sack leader, D. Winters, for the first half on Saturday. He was ejected for a targeting penalty last week. Texas had a similar situation with DeMarvion Overshone earlier in the season. How much 
of an impact do you think that his loss in the first two quarters is going to have on this TCU defense? Pretty big. Um, I believe he's their leading pass rusher with uh, six and a half sacks, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe I read that in Paul's, in Paul's preview this morning. So he's um, – they have a lot of pretty solid athletic linebackers that they can use to run blitz and, and uh, play behind their line. But Winters is far and away their most experienced, um, their most explosive and disruptive. It's um, – it's like a combination. I, Texas doesn't really have an equivalent. I was going to say it's like losing to Marvion Overshone, but it's really worse than that. It's kind of like losing if Jalen Ford and Demarvion Overshone were were combined into one player. Um, uh, it's probably a little closer to that for TCU. I, I think that's a pretty tough loss for them. Um, they do have. I think people will remember Shadrach Banks uh, that was. Uh, transfer from Texas A&M. I might have considered Texas for a minute and ended up at TCU. Um, you probably see some of him. They have guys, you know, that are big, strong athletes, but Win- Winters is the one that has the most experience and know-how, uh, aside from the um, the Navy transfer, who's uh, Hodges, who's a really solid player, but he just doesn't quite, he's not as explosive as Winters. I don't know. All that to say, it, it's a tough loss for them. It really hurts. If they lose both him and Quentin Johnston with an injury, you're talking about two like um, two of the more the tip of the spear playmaking kind of guys in their schemes. And um, neither are debilitating because TCU has some depth, depth of quality to their team on both sides of the ball, but they're both – that's not good to lose either of those guys on the road in a must-win game. Or a, maybe not a must-win for them, but a, a you know big – must win if you want to have any real playoff aspirations or anything like that. No doubt. Quentin Johnson, remember, went down with an injury in the first quarter of last week's game for TCU. His status has been in the air all week. So we'll see if he takes the field against Texas. Last question here for you. Saturday is now top 20 matchup between the Horned Frogs. They're ranked number four, like you mentioned, in the college football playoff. Longhorns down at number 18. Uh, one of the biggest games in Steve Sarkeesian's tenure here at Texas so far, and I think an even bigger game for Gary Patterson, this is sort of his homecoming with TCU, his old team going back uh, now to Austin. And uh, Steve and Gary have a very loud home crowd, which should be a very loud home crowd behind them. What are he and his players going to have to do to pick up their seventh win of the season on Saturday and stick around in those Big 12 title hunts? They need to play a very clean game against the TCU uh, passing game and Max Duggan. I think Texas can defend the TCU run game. I think they showed last week in Manhattan that they have the, the quality, the physicality, the schemes, the know-how to, to handle a power spread downhill good run game like TCU has. Um, they faced, you know, they faced a couple like that this year between like Oklahoma and, and, uh, and Kansas State and, and held up very well. So I, I think we know that, T- that Texas has the capability to kind of stymie some of what TCU does best. We know that they're getting a little better at holding up in the second half with a lead. Doing that at home in front of their own crowd is going to be easier still. Um, the thing that could break this game open for TCU and against Texas would be just blown coverages against their, their play action, their fast receivers, their different route patterns, and uh, losing, just losing track of Max Duggan as a runner. If TCU gets big plays with those two, by those two means – in enough volume, 
then they'll have a chance to, you know, to, to do the Joey McGuire script, right. And just kind of pound away at Texas and hope they eventually break. Um, so that's, I think that's where the game comes down to is, which is, so that's the advantage for Texas, right. When you mentioned Gary Patterson, Texas needs to play a very clean and precise game and coverage against uh, Duggan and against these receivers. And they have a guy mentoring the secondary and helping Pete Kwiatkowski game plan this, who knows TCU's personnel really well, knows Sonny Dykes in his passing game extremely well, and is whatever they may say, I, I'll tell you right now, Gary Patterson wants to beat this team and shut down Sonny Dykes as much as he's ever wanted to do anything in coaching, I think. You know, like everything, everything I know about Gary Patterson in that situation tells me that he is extremely motivated and he is going to instill as much of his passion as he can in Texas's secondary to go play a great game. So <laughs> to just be, well, I, he sh- I think they should be judged after the game based on that understanding. Well, we'll keep that in the back of our minds as we take a look at the secondary on Saturday. 6.30 kickoff between the Horned Frogs and the Longhorns back on home soil for Steve Sarkeesian. Primetime kickoff on ABC. Should be a really fun one Saturday night. Great insight as always, Ian. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. Make sure to go follow Ian on Twitter over at Ian underscore A underscore Boyd for more analysis and breakdowns throughout the week. And be sure to stick around InsideTexas.com for more coverage throughout the weekend into the weekend as well. I'll be covering the game on Saturday, so head to my Twitter as well for some updates and tune into the Inside Texas postgame show with Bobby Burton and Rod Babers. I'll make an appearance there as well. Maybe if the security lets me, I'll be on the field, but that would be probably a bad decision on their part to let me roam those grounds. Um, <laughs> lastly, make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel for more Texas football content all the time. We're slowly but surely marching up on 10,000 subscribers. We'd really appreciate it if you all subscribe to get us over that mark. Thank you for all the support so far. For our producer, Matthew Hutchinson, and all the great folks at Inside Texas, I'm Tommy Yarsh saying thanks for joining us and have a great day.